This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're coming to you uh, from a location that is safe and that which means not in seattle which is a total mess it's anarchy over there portland right behind it and we already know what's happening in minneapolis interesting time between the pandemic interesting time between the racial unrest interesting time with this presidential uh this presidential election round finally kicking into gear soon joe biden will be forced to leave his basement and now we know for sure the president's going to be back on the road he's got four major announcements four major venues and listen Everybody is telling us we better shut it down, keep our social distance, wear our mask. All this stuff is, uh, has been thrown in the street by the protesters. Nobody's condemning them for what they're doing. But if we try to get into a gym or buy any sporting equipment, we are vilified. Or try to go to a restaurant on the inside somewhere in the Northeast, uh, that is just a bridge too far. We're setting up outdoor dining now, and everyone's supposed to be rejoicing. you got to be kidding. Uh, the limitations are uh, unthinkable, and we're at a very pr- critical time for our country. The President of the United States is going to be going uh, to Dallas today. He's going to be having a roundtable discussion on uh, some type of law enforcement reform, racial uh, unrest. He's going to be calling rebuilding and renewing and restoring the transition to greatness. Uh, he's going to be leaving uh, at about 1225 today. He's got a lot to do this morning. He's finishing off his final proposal when it comes to what they think, the White House thinks should be done for law enforcement reform. And we have good guests this hour. We're going to be joined by Dave Bossy, bring us inside a campaign that evidently has some friction as they're about to launch full steam ahead, getting ready for November, trailing for many people think uh, double figures. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. My single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House in a, in a, with great dispatch. Really? Presidential push 2020. Joe Biden talks about his greatest fear. We'll tell you what he thinks. I will tell you why he should be also have another feel, uh, fear. That people really look into his background and find out what kind of unifier or disunifier he actually was. And sometimes his beliefs and his policies, how they don't gel with where we're at today. Number two. And I would also note, where do you draw the line here? Should George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison be erased from history? What about FDR and his internment camps? You know, he, should he be erased from history? That was the end of Kaylee McEnany's press conference yesterday. The war on history heated up last night. Confederate statues, Columbus, Christopher Columbus statues attacked. But keep in mind, Peter Strzok, uh, that I think is now a household name, has his fingerprints on every aspect of this, from 
from initiating it in the summer of 2016 to the Hillary Clinton uh, investigation to, 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 to Mueller to interviewing Michael Flynn. So, so Peter mm-hmm. Strzok um, uh, would be a name that I would listen for as Durham begins to wind up his work. You know what else the American people fully understand? They know, as the chairman said, the vast, vast majority of law enforcement officers are responsible, hardworking, heroic first responders. They know it is pure insanity to defund the police. And the fact that my Democrat colleagues won't speak out against this crazy policy is just that frightening. There are 330 million people in this great country, the greatest nation ever, not perfect, but the best nation ever. And they understand, they understand. And that was Jim Jordan. So we are looking at a lot of different issues today and we'll be discussing with David Bossy at the bottom of the hour. But right now, I also had to urge you to call 1-866-408-7669. So uh, let's talk about uh, where we left off, uh, defunding the police. No. How about reforming, electing the academy, changing some of the curriculum, unifying some policies, bringing you more experience? I would say give more money to get better people in there. And when it comes to unions, there's going to have to be some type of union adjustment because when you see some of these stats about complaints and how few ramifications there are for the bad cops, you realize something really could be done on that measure, and we'll discuss it uh, today. So this is what the Democrats are discussing, some type of, uh, some type of reform. Uh, and the for reform is they're talking about this uh, removal of amnesty. So in other words, if you're on the street and you're in a uh, deli and you don't like the way a cop's been treating you or giving you summonses uh, because of parking situations, you can file a lawsuit against that cop. Right now, you can't do it. It's not going to go anywhere. They have immunity. But that's going to change because if Senator Schumer gets his way, that's going to be included in any reform. So you really think that this guy, Derek Chavon, is going to change his policies knowing he could get sued? Is that what they're thinking about, that somebody won't get shot because of it? Some of the nine people uh, that were involved in some of this uh, unrest? I really don't think so. That's called irrational. And that's why for... Republicans in particular, uh, that is a non-starter. And I think Jim Jordan weighed in on we were at right now as a country. Cut to. There are 330 million people in this great country, the greatest nation ever, not perfect, but the best nation ever. And they understand, they understand, the American people understand it's time for a real discussion, real debate, real solutions about police treatment of African-Americans. Good. Let's move on from there. That's what Senator Tim Scott's working out, the president's working on. That's what Democrats, led by the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, is working on. But if you want to see what's wrong, look in Seattle. You're not going to believe this. There's about a seven-block area which has been cordoned off and taken over by insurgents, Antifa, anarchists. And it was voluntarily done. The Seattle precinct was abandoned because it was threatened by being firebombed. And they said, well, if we get firebombed, it's going to blow up the whole city. So we're just going to leave with the National Guard. So what has happened? They're not allowed back in the building. There's actually a lawmaker, uh, Kashwat Sawat, a Seattle councilwoman who's demanding for the mayor, who's a liberal, to resign and demanding for 
uh, I guess, hostage demands. They want free health care for illegal immigrants. They want smaller size classrooms. Uh, they, wanna, they are actually extorting other businesses to pay them for not to firebomb them. Listen to this lawmaker, cut nine. It was only one battleground in a long and hard fight that we have to continue. The East Precinct is not just any precinct. It was the flagship of the Seattle Police Department, and it has now been taken away from them. So, this governor, who is so emphatic about the shutdown and so slow to reopen up Washington, looks at Seattle, sees the protesters, sees there's total chaos, and hears about the extortion that's going on. Governor Jay Inslee, that terrible presidential candidate, who likes clashing with the president. And the president tweeted basically, get your state under control or I'll send in people. Listen to Governor Jay Inslee. Not only is he not concerned about a precinct being given up to crazies in the middle of that city, cut seven. Well, that's news to me, so I'll have to reserve any comment about it. I, I, have, not, I have not heard anything about that from any credible source. <laughs> not that you're not credible, it's just like, Before I espouse an opinion, I should know of which I speak. (laughs) We've got to have safety. I'm sure that people will find a way to have public safety everywhere in the state. I'm confident of that. Uh, The the National Guard is demobilizing. Over two-thirds of them were demobilized of yesterday. I don't know if they're completely demobilized at this point or not, but if not, that'll be shortly, I believe. Great. So give up the city and send the National Guard home. And he laughs when told of this. He should be embarrassed that he doesn't know it, that the press knows more than him. Deanna Nolet is a Seattle police officer assistant chief. She was part of the brain trust that was told by politicians to play the safe thing and de-escalate the situation and walk out of your precinct on Monday. Now she's asking for it back and she's not getting it. Cut 10. Can they legally prevent people from entering? It is not legal. However, in an effort to try to cooperate and collaborate and move forward peacefully, we're trying to get a dialogue going. We don't want the important message about justice and improving policing relations and improving racial equity to get drowned out by this small kind of faction of what's going on. Listen, it's drowned out. They're not worthy of your time. They've already broken your trust by threatening and taking over your precinct. You walked out, which is the stupidest move ever. Michael Solon is the president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. You, uh, what an embarrassment these politicians are to force the police men and women to, take, to just leave. When are people going to understand that weakness just brings off being steamrolled It's not looked at as kindness and understanding. They see it as weakness. Cut 11. We are beside ourselves. The city has lost all the political will to enforce the rule of law. There is an unreasonable activist fringe that is unfortunately stealing the peaceful protest message for justice for George Floyd. And then now they're occupying over a six block area of the city of Seattle. It is absolutely unreasonable activism. And we are pulling our hair out because we are true public safety professionals that took an oath of service. And we are holding our elected leaders responsible for this travesty on the overall amazing Seattle community that are law-abiding citizens that are yearning 
for police officer public safety services, which we professionally provide on a daily basis. Unbelievable. Uh, Can you imagine his outrage? He shares what I feel, maybe you feel, certainly the president feels when he tweeted this out. The radical left governor, Jay Inslee, and the mayor of Seattle are being taunted and played at a level that our great country has never seen before. Take back your city now. If you don't do it, I will. This is not a game. These ugly anarchists must be stopped immediately. Move fast. He wrote, domestic terrorists have taken over Seattle, run by radical left Democrats. Of course, law and order. They call it the autonomous zone. They kicked out the cops. They have their own tents. They have their own hierarchy. They use the barriers and they're boxing themselves in. They've taken over the heart of a city. Portland could be next. More others could be on their way. This is a joke. And it better be a lesson for these left-wing mayors and would-be conservative governors because this will happen to you in Maryland. This will happen to you in Virginia because these people feel as though they're empowered by this opportunity instead of trying to make this as a moment to improve. one 408 7669 When we come back, I'll tell you about what happened with some Confederate statues. I'll tell you what happened with Christopher Columbus statues overnight while cops watched. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And I would also note, where do you draw the line here? Should George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison be erased from history? What about FDR and his internment camps? Should he be erased from history? That was uh, Kaylee McEnany responding to the big push now. And even David Petraeus saying it. Why are so many uh, bases, 12, uh, military bases named after Confederate officers, Confederate, uh, Confederate 
heroes. After all, it was a civil war. They lost. They tried to divide the country, break up the Union. I all for uh, an American history also uh, was is on the docket because the president pushed back and says, listen, these are names that go beyond who they're named after. They mean something else from World War One to World War Two since they were uh, Fort Bragg, since they uh, were named after these other officers. I didn't even know uh, who some of these uh, men and women were, uh, but I'll give you an idea of what are some of the bases that could be changed. Uh, Camp Beauregard in Louisiana, Fort Benning in Georgia, Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Gordon in Georgia, Fort A.P. Hill uh, in Virginia, uh, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Lee in Virginia, Fort Pickett in Virginia, Fort Polk. I imagine that's the president, um, James K. Polk, who uh, was the one who went from sea to shining sea. He actually uh, annexed California and made us uh, a whole nation. Uh, Fort Rucker in Alabama. Now, among the people, esteemed people that I respect, David Petraeus says, listen, I'm all for renaming these bases if you look back on what they did to America. But what I've always been cautioned by people who study the Civil War and the aftermath and the Reconstruction, as brutal as it was, there was a sense in this country, even today at the turn of the uh, 20th century, um, more than today, obviously, that we have to keep this country together. Lincoln and Grant always talked about there'll be no revenge. Uh, there'll just be a reunification. That's why uh, Robert E. Lee told his soldiers, you can keep your horses, you can keep your guns, just go home and sign over to the Union. And it was a, it was a olive branch of reunification. The leaders surrendered, the army disbanded, but would the Confederacy want to be part of America? These officers were commemorated for various reasons in forts. We were fighting on the same side in the Mexican War. We're fighting on the same side in the previous War of 1812 and obviously the Revolution. We divided differently, obviously, on civil war and almost destroyed the country. We can have this debate, but right now it's an emotional debate in response to what happened in Minneapolis. Monday, uh, Secretary of Defense Esper and the Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy said they were open of a bipartisan discussion on the topic, but the president is making it a non-starter. He says, we're not going to throw out our history. Think about this, what Kelly McEnany just said. FDR rounded up Japanese Americans and put them in internment camps. Do you know any Democrat and many Republicans that are anti-FDR that don't think he should be commemorated? Didn't think so. If you see some of the earlier writings of Abraham Lincoln, you wouldn't think he's the great emancipator. That's all I could say. Jefferson had slaves. Washington had slaves. Madison had slaves. Monroe had slaves. Andrew Jackson had slaves. Should we just expunge them from our past in history? Judge them from the people and times they were in. Take the whole person. The brilliance of the Declaration of Independence. The Madison on the Constitution. And then say, well, on the other hand, he did have slaves. Washington had slaves freed after the death of Martha. Does he deserve credit? No, not for having slaves. But for founding the country and winning a war, we wouldn't even be here. Columbus discovered a brand new world. Many thought the world was flat. He had a hunch it wasn't. He was right. When he came and stayed, he was a terrible leader. But he was a fantastic explorer. He changed the world. That's why we put him on a pedestal. That's why we had Columbus Day. But that didn't stop the chaos from reigning last night. They took out Jefferson Davis statues, Robert E. Lee statues. They toppled more and more statues of Christopher Columbus. Thankfully, in New York... They can't reach. It is so high. You can barely see it.
but the president is not budging on this. He'll talk about this. And it's a bit of a risk because I know if I'm African-American and I walk by and I see a Confederate general who fought and the people underneath him, in many cases, died in Stonewall Jackson. Stone, Stonewall Jackson's case died in the middle of the war to keep you enslaved. I would be a little upset by that. Other people like Charles Barkley said, I walk by those statues every day in Alabama. I never thought twice about it. I wouldn't mind Confederate statues in a separate area where we review the war and talk about the whole person. What a hero Robert E. Lee was, how he was recruited to run the North. He ultimately thought, I'm going to side with Virginia and go in the South. Or else he'd be on the other side of history, top of his class at West Point, where they still commemorate him. When we come back, President down by about 10 points nationally. Kenny closed the gap. David Bossy. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We have seen this now for four years with the Trump campaign. The, me- the media continues to underestimate those individuals who don't want to speak to pollsters. Where we are in this race, Martha, is very different than four years ago. We have a much more robust political campaign. We are working shoulder to shoulder with the Republican National Committee. That was not the case four years ago. We have a juggernaut of a fundraising team led by Kimberly Guilfoyle. We are a team that is completely aligned with one goal, which is making sure Donald Trump and Mike Pence serve four more years in the White House. And that was uh, Corey Lewandowski, no stranger to my next guest, David Bossy, president of the Citizens United and Fox News contributor and 2016 deputy campaign manager for Donald Trump will play a big role uh, if Trump is going to get four more years. David Bossy, welcome back. Do you agree? I know you agree most of the time with Corey Lewandowski when you guys are not wrestling. Uh, But do you agree (laughs) with that? Once again, the Trump people, uh, the Trump voters are under uh, under polled because uh, by their own choosing. Brian, anybody who knows Corey knows that I told him to say that. So, of course, exactly. I agree. I agree. I agree with that uh, completely. Look, it's exa- we have since the days of Brexit, and you've talked about this extensively over the years, is what we now call the undervote. It is even more important today to focus on. It is nothing that we know exactly what those numbers are, but we know it exists. We know The people lie to pollsters. Why do they lie to pollsters? Because they don't know who's on the other end of the phone. And so it's a very big deal. It was for us. It was for Brexit. It was for Donald Trump in 2016. And it will be again for us in 2020. People are not telling pollsters necessarily the truth. And, And by the way, we're not counting our campaign on that by any stretch of the imagination. But to think that that's not part of this uh, equation, you know, is just looking looking uh, past it. Do you think you're trailing? Do I think we're trailing? Yeah. I think uh, I think it's a dead heat uh, in most of the places. See, D- Brian, I don't care. It, it's a little bit sounds a little bit weird to hear somebody say this, but I don't care where we are in California. I don't care national polls where we are in 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 New York State, where we are in California are immaterial to us. Where, where we need to be winning is uh, in the battleground states that we have to win to, to get to our path 
to 270. And where we are with those states, we're in, we're in a very good position. We're in, and, and as Corey was saying, we're in a better position today than we were in 2016 because if you remember back, we didn't have the RNC. As Corey was saying, the RNC was fighting the campaign. There was an enormous operation to take the nomination, a nomination away from Donald Trump still at this point all the way up to the convention. The fu- we didn't have a, 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 a data operation. We didn't have an organization. We didn't have uh, anything. So now we're so far ahead in what Kimberly Guilfoyle has done for our fundraising efforts, what, the, what Brad Parscale has done for the, uh, building this machine over the last two or three years has been phenomenal. And so now is the time. Now, in June, is for the next 147 or so days, is now is the time to put that to work. And nobody saw this pandemic coming. Nobody saw that brutal uh, murder happening in Minneapolis, uh, something that should never have happened. So we never saw those things, obviously, on the horizon. Those have shaken the, the, the foundation of America over the last six months. Um, and by November, hopefully, we as a nation are better for it. So looking at the demographics in the battleground states or beyond, uh, Trump trails Biden by 25 points, uh, far worse than the 14-point deficit four years ago when it comes to women. And I think it's basically accepted even by the Trump team that the greatest gains you have to make is amongst women. And the, the thing that their biggest complaint is about the president's tone. What do you do about that? Yeah, see, I'm not a uh, – the president is going to be the pre- – in this election cycle, um, and we did, we did well with women in 2016. I, I know the pundits love to say that we didn't. We did. And the reason that I say that is because we won. If we had, and so in 2020, the president of the United States is going to be running on law and order. And there are – women in this country who want a police department, who want the protection and the knowledge. When you call 911, someone, a police officer, a man or woman in blue is going to show up to protect you, to help you in some way, shape, or form. And that's what a vast majority of America wants. The discussion of whether or not Um, There needs to be some changes to the police department, how training is done to make sure that something like what happened to George Floyd does not happen again. Yeah, everyone is agreement on that. The president has been leading on that. And if you look at his record on those issues, it's 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 second to none. But especially compared to Biden. However, however, the moms and dads, the kitchen table issues are going to be law and order this year and and it's going to be even more prevalent than it's been in the past and that's where we're going to win uh those suburban moms that's what people that's what the pollsters like to call them the suburban women that's where we're going to win them and and i have i absolutely 100 percent have confidence in president trump's message on that issue and he is going to be standing tall for the men and women in, in uniform uh as opposed to the democrat party who says defund the police so a couple of things. Uh, you have a college degree. Uh, the white voters without a college degree, you guys have a 21-point advantage, but it was up as high as 31. You need to win that big. Uh, the study also goes on. You tell me what you think of these numbers. You look at different numbers all the time. Uh, Brian, can I, can I just ask you, what was the date of this study? 
uh, came out Monday. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Uh, so, and, and, and the reason that I, the reason that I question it is, it, and I don't I don't question it. Uh, what the reason that I that I that I bring the date of it up is, it's obviously done during this pandemic time, during the worst of our economy, and during potentially some of the days of this study were done during these racial riots, and and so the American people, when those things are happening. Right. Have a throw everybody out mentality, and 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 and, and we get that. Um, but but five months from now, that, I don't know that that study is going to be worth anything. So I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that their numbers are wrong or that they're lying to the American people. I'm saying it's a, it's a snapshot in time. Have you that of course was traumatic for the American people. You, you remember George uh, uh, George W. Bush did a great job defining John Kerry. Kind of when he said reporting for duty, they analyzed him with, uh, they analyzed really what he did at war. They analyzed his flip flops. So you remember when Mitt Romney was just skewered in the spring before he officially got the nomination uh, for uh, by the Obama team. They thought their best offense was to go after Romney rather than promote what they had accomplished, especially with Obamacare so unpopular at the time. Do you think? A policy has been hashed out yet. We know it hasn't been implemented to go after Biden. Oh, Joe Biden, if you're asking, is the Trump campaign going to go after Joe Biden? Yeah. Joe Biden is is not going to get to hide in his basement uh, forever. Uh, When uh, when he comes out of the basement uh, and he's going to have to to show the American people who he is um, and what he's about, uh, he's going to have to talk to the American people, and that is going to be a big problem for him because he's a gaff machine. He's not going to have his wife to answer questions. He's not going to be able to, 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 to use a cue card or a, or, or a teleprompter. So he, it is going to be uh, uh, it, it, something that he's going to have to answer questions. He's going to have to answer questions about the 94 crime bill and his, his, uh, what back then was considered insensitive um, uh, 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 remarks about the African-American community. He's going to have to answer those questions in today's atmosphere with today's left wing uh, of the party controlling uh, everything in the Democrat Party. So it's going to be he's got some he's going to have some broken parts of his own party that he's going to have to fix. And so we are going to define Joe Biden. We're going to talk about his corruption in China. We're going to talk about his corruption in the Ukraine and his family's benefiting off his name we're going to talk about his entire life's work which he's hiding at the university of delaware he won't even put out his senate records for 36 years this man served in the united states senate from delaware he was chairman of the senate judiciary committee and he says we don't want to put our the senate records because we don't want them misconstrued well the the bottom line is the media and, and the american people have a right to see his records of his Senate career for 36 years. That's what he's telling everybody. I was a senator. I can get things done. Well, then let's see those records. So we're going to have a lot of interesting fights. We're going to have a lot of interesting discussions. And we're going to have some great debates. Uh, President Trump is... In fact, I want you to hear what Joe Biden said about his 1994 crime bill, uh, David Bossie. Let's listen. Cut 22. It's a legitimate concern. They should be skeptical. They should be skeptical. But the idea that somehow I've been told all along how... Young people don't think that I'm in the right spot, the right place. There is no polling evidence to sustain that, nor is there voting evidence thus far to sustain that. All I can say is, show me. Let watch me. 
I'm listening. Watch what I do. Judge me based on what I do, what I say, and to whom I say it. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> Does that make me feel better? No. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what he said there. Uh, but his 1994 no, no. crime bill said, "If somebody, I don't care about your background, your adverse conditions." I'll paraphrase. You know, if you're robbing me and getting to my house, I don't, I don't care. I want you arrested. So, right. which, by the way, I could see their merits in the 1994 crime bill, but you gotta, you don't pretend like it didn't exist. It didn't happen. You have to acknowledge yeah. it, either apologize for it or or define it. That's right. That's exactly right, Brian. Look, the guy was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He wrote the bill. He wrote the bill that became the Clinton crime bill. It, 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 he owns it. And, and, and by the way, there are some merits to that crime bill. There's no question about it. But what, what, he, what he was responsible for back then is part of the reason why Donald Trump did the criminal justice reform this year. The things, the systemic problems within the system that President Trump had to correct were Joe Biden was responsible for. So it's it's okay. And you're exactly right. He either has to acknowledge them and own them, or he has to apologize for it. So it's one or the other, and that's going to be part of this campaign. We have a long, long way to go. I like to say uh, that, you know, 147 days, you know, uh, I didn't come into the campaign, as you might remember, Brian, until August. Uh, And we had, you know, an incredible run from there. I'm not saying we need to wait till August. But I'm saying we have plenty of time to put this in perspective for the American people, to educate them about Joe Biden, to make sure they understand the right. promises made, promises kept of President Trump. And I think the American people are going to make good decisions. Yeah, I think it's also very important to get the economy get on the right track. 1.5 million filed jobless claims about an hour ago with the reports we just got. So uh, yeah. Joe Biden's got definitely have uh, some issues now. Uh, you easily could punt on this. I know it. But the word is the president's upset with his poll numbers, which is why he called you and Corey Lewandowski. And you've been spending more time with the president. And somehow there might be some friction between the Parscale team and David Bossie and the Corey Lewandowski guys. Uh, what could you tell me about that? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't punt on anything. We have a great team. Uh, Brad Parscale has put together an amazing operation. What he's built over the last two years for the president's reelection has never been seen before. And the Biden campaign is going to feel the wrath of that. So there's no friction. We are a team. We're a big team. Uh, we're about addition, not subtraction. So just because the president is, is, is bringing on Jason Miller, who's a great addition to the team, just because the president is looking to talk to other outside advisors like me and Corey, is not a reflection on the current team. It means he wa- he is getting in campaign mode and that we are going to march together towards November 3rd. And he wants his team because together to do that because he remembers what 2016 was like and he knows he has to have a pack of killers who are winners around him in order to be able to win. And that's what we're, that's what that's what Brad wants and that's what Corey wants that's what jared kushner wants that's what uh that's what dave bossy wants and then we're all together in that uh philosophy and we're all together standing shoulder to shoulder to fight for this president we uh know there's going to be uh, rallies in oklahoma florida arizona north carolina uh that's going to be coming up shortly uh, david uh i know you think they're invaluable these rallies 
do you think there's going to be they're going to be pandemic friendly or are they going to do like the protesters and just uh, show up and let it, let all hell break loose? I mean, are <laughs> yeah, you guys going to be taking we, are you and Corey going to be taking everyone's temperature? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have that. I'm going to have a thermometer and everybody that comes through <laughs> is going to be getting tested. Look, we're a very serious and sober uh, organization as far as the team. The, you know, of Brad Parscale and, 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 and Jared and Bill Stepien and others who are making these decisions, and they don't make them lightly. And so uh, wherever a rally is going to be held, put, for example, uh, Oklahoma, um, you know, that's in a, I believe, like stage four. Their numbers are so gotcha. low Right. Uh, that, that, that it's a safe place to go to. When we go to places in Florida, when we go to places in Texas, wherever, wherever we go, we're going to be using the science and the data to help us get there to make good decisions, but also we're going to not gotcha. uh, uh, you know, take people's health for granted. We're going we're gonna to help. We, we want to make sure that the American people are healthy at the same time. Right. Uh, certainly healthy enough to vote uh, in November. Uh, David Bossy, thanks so much. Interesting times. Get ready for the sprint. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Back in a moment with your phone calls. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. There is a big difference, a big difference between peaceful protest and rioting. There is a big difference between peaceful protest and looting. There is a big difference between peaceful protest and violence and attacking innocent people. And there is certainly a big difference between peaceful protest and killing police officers. And that was Jim Jordan yesterday and shows a, a, a time in which I don't really remember them getting together on anything this way. Republicans and Democrats are on the same page speaking out about law, law enforcement reform, how massive and what has to be included. That's where the rubber hits the road. Democrats currently have no interest in getting any input from Republicans saying that, hey, you know what? They can handle it in the committee process. Hey, let's go to the phones. Uh, not really uh, the spirit of cooperation. Jim in Ohio, WHIO. Jim. Yes, say, uh, I was just wondering how people could be offended by some statues and names of military bases, but not be offended by the Democrat, which was strongly pro-slavery, and uh, also, I understand, the creators of the KKK. And then I wanted to get your take on when these people that's wanting rebellion in this country, when it happens... Uh, Aren't they aware of all the damage that they're probably going to get and not win in the end? Great point. Hey, should we ban the Democratic Party? After all, they were against uh, this whole uh, freedom of slaves. They were they were for the KKK. Uh, they had Senator uh, Byrd, who was for the former Grand Wizard, as a leader amongst them. So that is a great point. How far are we going to go back? How much are we going to be holding people accountable? Oh, by the way, FDR's army? wasn't segregated. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you're going to be joining us, too, at one 408 Your chance to interact, yeah, than just yelling at the television or screaming at your radio. You could actually be part of the show. Uh, Chris Wallace is standing by. A.B. Stoddard at the bottom of the hour. A lot to discuss. We know 1.5 million Americans applied for jobless claims, unemployment claims. So they're unemployed, uh, showing the bleeding hasn't stopped, and the market has reacted negatively for that. Although it did go up so substantially, it's at 26,000 plus uh, this hour. Uh, There is a sense with the Fed that weren't as definitive as we're coming out of it, not coming out of it. And that's how the rumors are that they're interpreting all this. But we will see. The president of the United States also announced he's going to get back on the road. There is a slight uptick in cases, but we got to start opening up uh, a lot quicker, especially in the Northeast, for my money. Uh, So for now, uh, we should get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. My single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House in a, in a, with great dispatch. What's even talking about? Joe Biden, you got a lot to worry about. Uh, the president leaving with military, not needed. Uh, if, in fact, he does lose the presidential push 2020, Joe Biden talks about his greatest fear. We'll tell you what he thinks. I'll tell you what it should be as the president reveals which cities he will visit as the rallies will resume. Number two. And I would also note, where do you draw the line here? Should George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison be erased from history? What about FDR? And because of internment camps, you know, he, should he be erased from history? How about the fact that he didn't uh, have uh, blacks and whites fighting together in World War II? Should we condemn FDR for that? Almost every list puts him on a near-grave president. The war on history. Confederate and Columbus statues attacked as late as last night. Uh, It doesn't seem like law enforcement could care less. Uh, What's next? Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe? Yeah, Uh, Washington, of course. Yeah, if we don't stop it here. Number one. The vast vast majority of law enforcement officers are responsible, hardworking, heroic first responders. They know it is pure insanity to defund the police. Law enforcement reform and reboot. Both parties working on plans. Will anything work? Meanwhile, protesters and rioters take over the heart of an American city as police are forced to stand by and then evacuate a precinct. I'm not kidding. Details on this obscene scene in Seattle coming your way. But first... Now it's time to clear the airwaves for the Emmy-nominated host of Fox News Sunday. Mr. Sunday, the receptive voice, the king. Author of the new book, Countdown 19... Countdown 1945. It will drop on June 9th. Chris, you're such an asset to the show, and I'm glad to see it's really helping your career. Did I mention Countdown 1945? Got it. I see this as a feature-length movie. I am serious. This is a great story. This is going to be great, and I look forward to talking to you for the next five months about it. Every week we are going to talk about countdown. You know, this is going to be a countdown to the countdown. I like it. Tell, tell your 
people to put that on the uh, promo next week. The official Brian Kilmeade Show countdown to the countdown ended on June 9th. Countdown 1945 now available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. It pulled out. You know, I, I thought you were going to promote the book. I'm just, I'm a little disappointed. Hello, Brian. Brian, are you there? This is the Chris Wallace Show. Uh, I'm, hi, guys. What's going on here? Hello. Hey, I'm back. You guys can hear me? I can hear you. I don't know everybody else. I took over the show for a minute there. Can't this hear was, it, was, it, it was great. Are you there, Brian? Now it's time to clear the airwaves for the Emmy-nominated host of Fox News Sunday. Mr. Sunday, the receptive voice, the king. Author of the new book. Yeah, Chris, we had some technical problems over here. I apologize. Congratulations. The book's selling fantastic. Well, so I want to ask one question. You promised me when we talked last week that you were going to read it and you were going to give me your honest opinion today. You promised not only me, you promised your millions of listeners. So, one, have you read it? To what's your unvarnished, I want your honest opinion. Well, a couple of things. Almost done with it. I would say this. For me, it doesn't read like a history book. To me, even though I know the ending, I'm getting the sense that it's like a drum getting louder and louder as it goes by. I feel like I'm reading a thriller. Even though I've seen more World War II documentaries and I get the Heroes Channel and that's all they have, I really think you gave a great great perspective. By the way, on a president that I love, Harry Truman, they've done plays on, and still I'm learning new stuff about it. Thank you, because that is exactly what I wanted to do, is to write a history thriller and, you know, to put people in the moment. You know, not to look at it from uh, 2020 hindsight. Well, we know they did it, why they do it. But no, because each moment in in that history, the 116 days, they, are, they don't know what there is going to happen. They don't know if they're making the right choice or the wrong choice. They know it's the biggest choice any president maybe has ever had to make, whether it's the president in, in, with his war cabinet or the scientists who don't even know until 21 days before whether the bomb is going to work or the flight crew of the Enola Gay uh, who has taken the, the bomb to Hiroshima and doesn't know because it's never been dropped from a plane before whether it's going to knock them out of the sky. So... The best review I read in the Washington Post, somebody said, I know what happened in 1945, but this is a thriller, and that's just what I was trying to do. Yeah, and I saw the special on Sunday, too, which was great. Uh, Here is Harry Truman, uh, knowing he's got this weapon that nobody else knows, very few people know about. Here's the warning he's giving to Japan. Cut 33. Truman vowed if the enemy continued to fight, there was more to come. If they do not now accept our terms, they may expect a rain of ruin from the air, the like of which has never been seen on this earth. Japan refused to surrender. Three days later, the 509th dropped the second bomb, Fat Man, on Nagasaki. Hello, Brian. So, I'm here. Sorry about that. Um, So, what he's doing is saying... Yeah, I know you want to fight to the death, but it's coming, and he doesn't want to use it, right? Well, yeah, and, and that actually, with that clip is after he's dropped it on Hiroshima. People say, well, you know, maybe he didn't have to drop it 
on Hiroshima because they would have surrendered anyway. He did drop it on Hiroshima on August 6th, and they didn't surrender. So three days later, he had to drop a second bomb and devastate a second Japanese city in Nagasaki. And then the military government still didn't want to surrender. It was only the emperor, Hirohito, who went over their heads, and he said, we need to surrender. So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people have argued, well, should he have dropped it or shouldn't he have dropped it? And, And I think that if you read Countdown 1945, you come away with a sense he really had no choice, that it wasn't like he was going to either drop the bomb or nothing. He was either going to drop the bomb or he was going to invade Japan, and a lot more people would have died if he had if they had invaded Japan. The estimates are a million Japanese casualties and a half million American casualties. So it, it was, as I say, maybe the biggest decision a president's ever had to make, and uh and he agonized over it, but uh, I think in the end he made the only choice he could. What you also brought up is what was it like now that Japan's our ally, what it was like being on the ground. And you had managed to catch up with Hideko Tomura. First off, how did you get her? Well, you know, there are websites that, that you know, people write about, and there are even websites for survivors of Hiroshima. Obviously, it's 75 years ago this year, so... They have to have been pretty young to still be alive, but we found her on a website. Uh, And, you know, it's not only that she survived, it's that she then moved to the United States and is living in Bend, Oregon. Uh, And as you saw, because we brought her to Washington for the documentary, and she, it was her idea, not ours, that she wanted to see the Enola Gay, the plane that dropped the bomb on her city and killed her mother and destroyed uh, you know, really her way of life there. Uh, and that, I thought, was one of the most chilling experiences I've ever had, to to see her deal with, confront the, the plane uh, that, that, that changed her life and find, I thought, some, some closure with it and pray for peace. It was very moving to me. Uh, her name is Hideko Tamura, and here she is talking about August 6, 1945. Cut 32. August 6th. Hideko Tamura was back home. I am so happy. Birds are chirping. The sun is coming into my room. My mother had to go to help with some mobilization thing. And I said, hurry home. And my mother said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come back as soon as I can get, you know, get away. And that was the last time I saw her. Wow. And here she is all these years later, and she still feels that sorrow. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it was it was devastating. It, what's interesting is her mother, because they didn't, obviously nobody knew there about the, the atom bomb, but they other cities had been bombed, firebombed. 100,000 people had been killed in Tokyo, and her mother drilled in her. If that were to happen in their hometown of Hiroshima, what to do? Uh, Hideko, as I say, was just 10 years old, and her mother had gone off on some di- civil defense uh, operation. So she was by herself in the house, and she said, if there's any kind of an explosion, get under something sturdy, like a table or in a doorway or something, so that you're not killed by the crush of all the material. And then, as soon as you can, get out of the house and go to the river, because there will be fires, and you don't want to be caught in the fire. And even though she was 10 and by herself and had a deep gash in her right ankle, 
she did exactly that, and that's what saved her life. I just want to say one other quick thing about the book that I think, you know, it's a great story about America. And, you know, one of the things that impresses me, Brian, is 125,000 people were working on the Manhattan Project across the country, and it never leaked. It stayed secret the entire time. Can you imagine today if 125,000 people were making apple pie? Somebody would, would tweet or Facebook or, you know, Instagram. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, this is outrageous. This is immoral. You know, everybody has to. But in those days, there was unity. There was a sense of patriotism, a sense of purpose, national purpose. And everybody was pulling in the same direction. We could use that uh, more of that now. Yeah, I mean, true. So that's history. And now we're trying to take down history. Uh, the Confederate statues came down last night. I think two or three Columbus statues came down last night. They're talking about renaming bases that were named after Confederate generals. In the 1950s, it was Nancy Pelosi's dad who put a Confederate general, might have been Robert E. Lee, I'm not sure, into Baltimore. And now Nancy Pelosi is saying, take all the Confederate statues out of Congress. And I'm just wondering, too, as Kaylee McEnany brought up last night, well, should we all yesterday afternoon, should we also get rid of FDR because we had a desegregated uh, black and white military? They were not allowed to uh, be in the same units. Should we also get rid of all FDR uh, paraphernalia and statues and monuments because he also had the internment camps for the Japanese, Japanese Americans? There's nobody that can really live up to this saint like history that we are now demanding of our past. I think Confederate statues might be a separate debate, but I believe the president is right. They're coming for Jefferson, Washington, Madison, and Monroe next. I I have to say, and this is market, uh, Eric, because this is a rare occasion, I completely agree with you. I don't think we can erase our history. I mean, there may be some things that we need to, but the idea, I mean, first of all, who knew that Bragg was named after a Confederate general, Fort Bragg? Did not and know. it does have a, yeah. a huge history, you know, part in our military history. And, you know, it's a little bit like the cancel culture, all these people who are getting fired now because, you know, they say things like all lives matter as opposed to black lives matter. You know, all I would say about all of this is today you may agree with the cancel culture and who they're canceling out and, you know, whose statue they're tearing down and whose name they want to expunge from history. But tomorrow it may be something you agree with or even something that you say. So I think we've, we really need as a country to be very careful about look, uh, there are certain things that are over the line and unacceptable, racist talk. And, and, and you know, uh, I can think of all kinds of things. But the idea that uh, if somebody says, gee, I don't think you should go to one of those rallies because they're dangerous, uh, because of the co- spread of the COVID virus. There are public health experts saying that, and people are losing their jobs on radio because they said that. I, I, it, it's, um, th- there has to be some reason in this. There has to be a measure of reason. And there isn't right now. There really isn't. We have to recognize that and stop it because they, when they're coming from Jimmy Fallon, when they go for Justin Bieber, when they're coming from uh, Mark Wahlberg, I mean, these aren't exactly right-wing Reagan disciples. They're coming for everybody. And there's no one that can live up to this loving demand. By the way, who are these people? You know, whether it's a movie you don't like, Gone with the Wind, all of a sudden, and, or with something you did as a 17-year-old. I, I think that uh, we saw this with the Me Too movement a couple of years ago, hor- horrible behavior like Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, but there was also a lot of other stuff there that got caught up in it. Hopefully we got smarter but congratulations on Countdown 1945. 
Uh, I could see on Amazon it's killing it. So you're going to be ranked high coming out next week. Uh, congratulations, Chris. And the special was fantastic. I encourage everyone to go to Fox Nation and watch it. Well, thank you. Thanks for the plug. All I want to do, folks, is I want to be in have the same thing next to my name that Brian Kilmeade has over and over and over again. New York Times bestseller. Right. I want to be. A, it's like <laughs> being the host of Saturday Night Live. I want to be a member of the club. We have one thing in common. Me and you will never be Mike Wallace. Just (laughs) ask the president. That's true. But neither will anybody else. (laughs) Ever. Thanks so much, Chris. Congratulations. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it very much. Back in a moment. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Sorry about those technical uh, snafus uh, dealing with a bunch of satellites here. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. It's always great to get Chris Wallace, and he's definitely passionate about his story. It's a real good book. Robert, listening online in Dunning, Florida. Hey, Robert. Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? Good. Brian, I have a real quick question, okay? My background is commercial construction, and, you know, all these damaged and destroyed buildings that I've been looking at for the last week and a half, I'm sure that somebody owns them. And I'm also sure that those people pay property taxes. So I think there's a lot more smarter guys than I am, but I wouldn't pay my property tax because part of your property tax goes to police protection and safety and, and not anarchy. Your comment. Absolutely. I don't know if you could do that because it's going to be some law enforcement to make your life miserable and then you got to get lawyers. But they, you're right. So technically, they did not provide the security. They did not back up law enforcement. They criticized law enforcement. And now they want to cut it back in some major cities. Uh, Tom, real quick, listen on 96.5 in South Jersey. Tom. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. It's 95.5. Brian, you know, it's, it's disheartening to watch all these Sports stars and movie stars tear this country apart. Colin Kaepernick took the American flag and the national anthem and turned it. Those two, they're not racist. He kneeled for the flag and said, we have racial injustice in America. We know there's racial injustice, Colin. How about a solution? Come on. I would, Tom. I hear you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. People say all the time, oh, we got to get the vice president out of the basement. He's fine in the basement. <laughs> Two people see him a day, his two body people. That's it. And let Trump keep doing what Trump's doing. It's hard for the vice president to break through. He needs to come out strategically when he says something like he did on race relations two days ago. It needs to have a big impact, thoughtful, and that's what we're preferring that he actually do at the time. Uh, that is Terry McAuliffe. Uh, he knows a thing or two about running a campaign, ran the DNC, uh, ran uh, for governor and won in Virginia, and says in his estimation, Joe Biden does best in his basement. 
Uh, he is winning in most of the polls, although national polls really mean very little at this point. Uh, joining us now is A.B. Stoddard. Uh, A.B. is a great guest of the show. We always love having her on. A.B., how do you feel about Terry McAuliffe saying stay in the basement? Is he right? Well, I think the Biden campaign's been pretty open about this. In an interview recently, Biden basically said, look, everyone told me I need to get out and around, but, you know, here I am in the basement. And uh, this was before he made his first, you know, public appearance anywhere physically leaving his home. And he said, look at the polls. I mean, Trump's, and he basically said, in essence, Trump's burying himself. And the former vice president is pretty practical about this. People have been asking him since 2017 to run for president. Um, It's implicit he would be a one-term president. It's implicit that people are craving stability, and he's the one that can best offer it. It's why he won the primary. It's not because people are enthusiastic about Joe Biden. This is a referendum on President Trump. And Joe Biden has a solid lead that could be completely gone you know, in two months, we have no idea what will happen in, you know, almost five months left before Election Day. It's just that today, in the midst of several crises, he wins by letting Trump get up, you know, on his loudspeaker on Twitter and accuse Joe Scarborough of murder and, you know, 75-year-old men bleeding from the ear of being an agitator. And he's thinking himself. And so Biden's people are very open about the fact that when you're we know in politics, if, you're, if your adversary is shooting themselves in the face, you get out of the way. Yeah, uh, that could be the case. Also, the Trump, you could also say that he's been hurt, been hurt because he can't even do his campaign rallies. He can't really get out and campaign, which he seems to thrive on and, and reinvigorates his base. And now he's going to see if he can close that gap. Uh, and we'll see if Joe Biden, if things do calm down, uh, in these, from the pandemic point of view, if Joe Biden can do two or three events a day, if when things heat up or, or get somewhat back to normal and see how he does on this. I'm very curious to see how he's going to hold up to the scrutiny. For example, he goes on that morning show and he says, uh, if you don't vote for me, uh, you, ain't bl- uh, you ain't black. And he had to walk back a few things in unscripted situations. I don't know how he's going to do on that. Well, and Brian, you and I have watched this a long time. Someone like Joe Biden, who, you know, plagiarized decades ago in a first presidential run, has, you know, decades of Washington experience as a gas machine, um, is getting older, um, just defended, you know, African-Americans, the base of support of the Democratic Party with that comment you referenced. Those would have all been disqualifying. But now there's a whole separate set of metrics because President Trump has broken through every rule of politics. He delights in offending people. He delights in cruelty. We've seen, look, we've seen what's happened in the last couple weeks. Members of his party saying, you know, what he did at Lafayette Square was a a stunt and it was wrong. People, Joe Biden is not, is he going to lose a few votes on, on his comments on that show? Absolutely. He's looking to make up other votes with seniors who are leaving the Trump coalition. So this is going to be decided um, basically for Joe Biden somewhere in the center. For President Trump, he's not looking to win back voters that he doesn't have. He's looking for a mobilization-only strategy. And Joe Biden knows that he is not going to be the woke progressive that the young um, you know, part, ranks of the Democratic Party are seeking. He, he, they probably won't turn out to vote for him. A, a lot of Facebook ads about that you ain't black 
comment will definitely draw away a lot of African-American votes for Joe Biden, maybe even draw some to President Trump. But if you look at these things decided on the margins, Trump losing Catholics a little bit, Trump losing seniors too much, Trump losing some evangelicals, some white non-college women, and, and Biden picking up independents, um, white, you know, suburban women, college-educated, and even um, some members, some other members of the Trump coalition. That is problematic for President Trump, and he's got to be on those rallies, engage again in the politics of addition and not just mobilization. He's got to persuade some people back. And my advice would be try to find something that the military leaders are begging you to do, that Republicans on Capitol Hill are begging you to do, that, that demonstrators in the, in the streets are, are asking you to do. Try to find something that you can say that's healing and de- de-escalating and unifying on police reform so that you can say you're listening to people beyond the people that will come to, to rallies, the people in the heart of your base. Because right now those numbers don't add up for him. Yeah, he, the thing is, his base is there, but you can, it's not going to win over. The message that pleases the base is not going to win over independence. So he's got to make a decision uh, to win over independence. And it's got to be deliberate. It can't be by accident. And I think the main reason, just back to one of your first points, I think Joe Biden got the nomination because Bernie Sanders was about to. I think if it was Mayor Pete, number two, or if it was Kamala Harris, number two, Joe Biden would have been an afterthought. I just think that Joe Biden was a much better alternative for the party than Bernie Sanders. And James Carville coming out screaming about it was the uh, was the beginning of it, of a sobering up of the Democratic Party about what was actually taking place. Do you agree with that? Well, I think there's a lot of socialist elements in the far left of the Democratic Party, and they're very self-destructive, and they support defunding the police. And they're small in number, but they're loud, just like the extremists on the right. Uh, but, Brian, the reason that, that Biden won is because, as I said before, the Democratic Party is strangely united in their in their goal to, to defeat Trump. So that's why Biden won and was able to stave off, as you point out, um, a very good rise for Bernie Sanders. It very much looked like he would be the nominee. Um, but again, I, I think people, you know, Trump's campaign um, strategists have to look at this and say, if it were just 2018, you know, maybe you could mobilize. 2018 merge terms were not good for President Trump and the party. But now it's layers of crisis. It's just a different presidency than the president is trying to sort of, he's, re, he's trying to re, uh, renew the sort of the, the campaign of 2016. He's an incumbent president in, in several crises, simultaneous crises. And he has to pivot to addition. And it has to be, as you said, intentional. And police reform is a ripe opportunity. It is not going to cripple the police to, to make them, you know, embrace some changes that will rebuild social trust. And you can see the polling the last couple of weeks has shifted so dramatically on this. It's a gimme. And he's isolating himself so, if he doesn't talk about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think he is talking about it today. Had uh, had the meeting yesterday, which was kind of a makeshift to look at race of the supporters. Yeah. Uh, and then did, on Monday was law enforcement. We'll see what happens in Dallas and what they come back with. I think Kaylee McEnany said this morning they're almost done with their proposal. Uh, and we know there were Democrats, uh, Republicans in the House have something. Democrats are about to release theirs. And and we have um, and we have the, the Senate side, the Republicans trying to get something together on the Senate side. We'll see if they're going to all coincide because I think the sentiment is pretty pure. What is disturbing me as an American election aside 
is what's happening now in Seattle. They've basically given up blocks, turned it over to uh, protesters slash rioters slash anarchists. One of the people in charge is a Seattle councilwoman who's calling for the ouster of their liberal mayor, has taken over their, uh, their state house. The, pro- the police have abandoned their precinct in America. Listen to Kashwat Sawant, cut nine. It was only one battleground in a long and hard fight that we have to continue. The East Precinct is not just any precinct. It was the flagship of the Seattle Police Department. And it has now been taken away from them. She is right. They abandoned it. The National Guard is leaving. The governor said, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't know anything about extortion taking place amongst business owners who were told, pay this money or blowing up your place. Um, the governor that made everyone shelter in place is, seems indifferent about losing the center of a city. Here are their demands. Uh, give free health care and college. Naturalization for all illegal aliens. Um, the, the mayor must resign. And they got a few others. They're offering demands while extorting local businesses in America. A.B., how do you make sense of that? Oh, I don't, Brian. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. This kind of lawlessness and cries for police free zones and, and anarchy is not where the majority of this country is, not where the majority of the Democratic Party is, which is why the vice president, former vice president, tried to come out the other day right away to say he's not for defunding the police. After a city council member of the Minneapolis City Council said on CNN that people who are afraid of having, you know, of dissolving the disbanding police departments are speaking from a place of white privilege. This is crazy talk, uh. and everybody knows it. Um, and they're doing themselves a great disservice. And if, if vice president, former Vice President Joe Biden is smart. He'll come out and talk about Seattle first thing today. This is not where the country is. But where the country is, Brian, is in a nuanced, complicated place where they believe that the black Americans are treated differently by police. They are often their lives are in peril. They are killed at disproportionate numbers by police. And they believe what they saw in that video. They also believe there shouldn't be a secret police walking the streets of the United States of America. A bunch of armed men with no tags on where we don't know where they come from, like we're living in some dictatorship, and they don't want police-free zones or to dismantle police departments. They live in the center. That's the majority of us. And so leaders of, on both sides, where it's Trump and Biden and other people, really need to make that clear. They need to speak to the majority of us, or they won't be listened to. And if Biden wants to flirt with these people on the far left, he's making a huge political miscalculation, just as President Trump is right now, by not addressing what we're seeing in this polling, a dramatic shift in white Americans' belief that black Americans are, are subjected to uh, police brutality in ways that we are not as white Americans and that they want to see change um, happen in that structure. So, again, it's, it's really a question. I think the person who listens most, this, you know, the next couple of months is going to win. And, and there's plenty of time for President Trump to listen. But right now, all that polling shows that people think he's not listening. Very interesting. Uh, it is fascinating. And you can't say, well, since President Trump came into office, there's a problem with law enforcement. No, we remember Baltimore, remember Ferguson. That was just off the top of my head. Uh, we remember Trayvon Martin. That happened during the Obama years. In pandemic, you could say could have acted quicker, but that's almost in our rearview mirror now. Now we're like, well, we're, how do we deal with this? How do we come out of it? So 
this is it's going to be fascinating, unprecedented times in many respects. Uh, in many respects, though, it's unnerving to a lot of people because it was a sheltering in place and trying to get back our jobs. We're watching this horror show at night. And just when the zenith of the of the riots began to subside, we wake up to Seattle and soon to be Portland and the anarchy and the police department put in an impossible spot right now. Well, Brian, I also think we're going to see a lot precinct. more infection as a result of those protests. And it's going to be incredibly frightening. We have very bad reports coming out of hospitalizations in a whole bunch of states since Memorial Day. Record hospitalizations, not just new cases. And I do believe we're going to see a lot of illness come out of those protests. No question. And if these leaders are true leaders, they'd be just as angry at the protesters as they were for people who ignored the shelter in place or didn't wear masks or who gathered to watch too close to watch ships come in. But instead you have, I know you want to protest, just make sure you get tested, as opposed to, I know you want to open up your restaurant, just be careful. I know you want to open up your sports store, just take precautions. But pro- they won't allow that. But they allowed the protest to take place. That's what's driving so many so-called average Americans nuts. Some of I the agree with you, and I think we're going to see just a horrible surge after, as a result of this. I really do. All right. Thanks so much, A.B. It's a perilous times. Appreciate your perspective always. Thank you, Brian. Take- you, you got it. one 408 7669 So instead of yelling at your radio or yelling at your dashboard... Instead of screaming at your TV, be part of the show next. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to start uh, our rallies back up now. We've had a tremendous uh, run at rallies. I don't think there's been an empty seat and since we came down on the escalator. Uh, with the first lady that was uh, with the future first lady at that point, uh, it's been an amazing thing to behold. Uh, that's the President of the United States making an announcement about his rallies. He's going to open up in Tulsa, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's going to be going over to North Carolina. One of the visits, and he'll go to Texas. He's going to go to the safer areas, the one with the least number of cases. Uh, so he's excited about doing that because he's on the front foot instead of the back foot. The pandemic puts you on a huge back foot. He loses the economy because of the pandemic. And then we uh, lose the law and order if you're the president. Because of the civil unrest, because of the horrific um, um, Minneapolis uh, killing of George Floyd. So we know that and we have a chance, as A.B. brought up, as a country to come together with some type of law enforcement reform. They're not pushing massively back on that. But it's going to be interesting to see the president uh, sprint to the finish. The other thing that's taking place now, I don't want to take your calls on this, is taking down of our statues from Columbus to Confederates. Uh, Kevin's listening in. Hamptons, uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. Hey, Kevin, WNIS. Hey, good morning, Brian. Yes, our, our community was hit last night uh, for the first time that I'm aware of. A uh, statue in Old Town, Portsmouth. Uh, pe- people took sledgehammers to it. My wife saw the local news story. I guess it's a crime scene now, so people got hit by pieces of the statue that you know, uh, fell on them. 
And and I'm very familiar. My son's worked up in that area for three years. I drove by that all the time. I wasn't even aware it was a Confederate statue. I'm skeptical that the people in that community would have done it. It's basically a mix of eclectic people that like to go down in a real historic area. It's got old churches. It's got an old theater from the 1950s, some restaurants where people go to have a beer. And then on the other hand, you're just as likely to be approached by a homeless person who's mentally ill who would like a little money or a cigarette. I don't think those people did that themselves. I think someone had to pay somebody. I don't think they would have even bothered to or even have the wherewithal to go buy a sledgehammer. So that concerns me. And, and uh, also, don't we get a say in this? Why are the Democrats always skipping the people and just going right to what they want and taking it, whether it be immigration or just we're going to get rid of these statues? Where, wouldn't you like to have a say, Brian, in it? I mean, I would. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. The courts did stop Robert E. Lee from taking down to Virginia, but the cops watched in a lot of these cases. The Jefferson uh, Davis statue torn down in Richmond. The Columbus statue torn down and paint defaced in cities across the country. Boston, Richmond, Miami, St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. Since when? I mean, they've been there for 100 years. Listen, there's a debate to be had if you want to have it, but let's do it like civil human beings. And you've got to empower police officers to press charges when you're defiling a property that doesn't belong to you. Uh, and the city of Dallas is asking the court for permission to remove a Confederate war memorial. So John Calhoun uh, uh, has a statue. He was pro-slavery. Jefferson Davis left the Union, was the first president. Robert E. Lee led the Confederate Army. Uh, there's something there. But earlier in America, to keep us together, there was a sense, keep your guns, keep your horses, just sign back up to be a member of the country. This was part of the coming together of a country. If you want to deal with it, deal with it like human beings, not like a war that just ended. 1-866-408-7669. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have uh, Leo Terrell, a civil rights lawyer, coming up in about 15 minutes. Bottom of the hour, Brett Baer, uh, the President of the United States, heading out to Dallas today. He's going to have a round table. He's going to be uh, having a fundraiser a little bit later. He's going to be uh, doing a motorcade to the Gateway Church in Dallas County. Uh, he also got some, I guess, unwelcome but expected news when it comes to unemployment. 1.5 million uh, unemployment claims. So that means we're over 40 million since we had this intentional shutdown of the country's economy. And we're beginning to stand right back up. And listen, another story is there's an uptick in cases. Even though we're not going backwards, we got to move forwards. We can't shut it down. We can't slow it down. We got to be intelligently move forward with this pandemic in place, perhaps. But we're on the other side of it for sure, especially in New York. Uh, North Carolina has got to pick up the pace. Pennsylvania has got to pick up the pace. Uh, Michigan, uh, as well as places like Maine, which have no reason uh, to be on the downside of this. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. My single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House with great dispatch. 
what are you talking about? Uh, that is really, uh, believe it or not, what, uh, what Joe Biden's worried about. What he should be worried about is people looking at his senatorial record. What they should be looking about his record on race, because he makes himself to be a civil rights activist, which he's anything but. We're going to talk about the president's push to get back on the road and Joe Biden's quest to stay under wraps. Number two. And I would also note, where do you draw the line here? Should George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison be erased from history? What about FDR and because of internment camps? You know, he, should he be erased from history? Yeah, well, that's uh, what Kayleigh McEnany is saying in response to those who now want to rename military bases because they're after, named after Confederate generals who want to take down Columbus statues and all Confederate uh, uh, statues and monuments. The president said that is a no, that is a non-starter. Where does it start? They will be coming from Washington Jefferson. And by the way, why now? Number one. The vast, vast majority of law enforcement officers are responsible, hardworking, heroic first responders. They know it is pure insanity to defund the police. Uh, That would be nuts. But reform would be logical. And I think law enforcement would be a part of it. Uh, We can see if the Republicans and Democrats can get together. Meanwhile, protesters and rioters have taken over the heart of an American city. Yes, as police are forced to stand by and then evacuate a precinct on Monday. And now they're asking to get back in on Thursday. Details of this obscene scene in Seattle uh, coming your way right now. So we're watching a bunch of these people uh, who have taken over Uh, the city of Seattle, the heart of the city, about seven blocks. They just gave it away. Now they're taking some of the police barricades that were set up to keep protesters at bay, and they're surrounding themselves, locking themselves up. They put up tents. uh, They're demanding supplies. They also have demands that the police want to take their precinct back. Uh, It is pathetic what has happened in in that state, pathetic what's happened to that city. It's pathetic that nobody's doing anything about it, that the president has to tweet out some law and order. Quote, Radical left Governor Jay Inslee and the mayor of Seattle are being taunted and played at a level that our great country has never seen before. Take back your city now. If you don't do it, I will. This is not a game. These ugly anarchists must be stopped immediately. Move fast. And of course, Jay Inslee doesn't like that, but he looks weak and out of touch, uh, except for when he's talking about a lockdown. It is pathetic. Uh, This is the quote from the police deputy Sheriff, we would like to be able to return to the East Precinct to our normal operations. This would improve our response times and capabilities within the neighborhood. You think so? By grabbing your precinct back, do you think you'd have an easier time responding to 911 calls? I wouldn't respond to one of them until they gave it back. And by the way, I never would have given it up. That's what they have done. Giving up a precinct. That's how you take back a city. That's how you make progress on race relations. This has nothing to do with that. I get the sense that there's money behind all this. Take down the statues. Embarrassed by history. Apologize for things that happened 250 years ago. Listen to the Seattle Police Assistant Chief, Deanna Nolet. Cut 10. Can they legally prevent people from entering the neighborhood? It is not legal. However, in an effort to try to cooperate and collaborate and move forward peacefully, we're trying to get a dialogue going. We don't want the important message about justice and improving policing relations and improving racial equity to get drowned out by this small kind of faction of what's going on. 
seven blocks taking over a state house, small faction. They're setting up their own mini society. They have demands. Listen to the president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. This is Michael Solon. Cut 11. We are beside ourselves. The city has lost all the political will to enforce the rule of law. There is an unreasonable activist fringe that is unfortunately stealing the peaceful protest message for justice of G- for George Floyd. And then now they're occupying over a six block area of the city of Seattle. It is absolutely unreasonable activism. And we are pulling our hair out because we are true public safety professionals that took an oath of service. And we are holding our elected leaders responsible for this travesty on the overall amazing Seattle community that are law-abiding citizens that are yearning for police officer public safety services, which we professionally provide on a daily basis. So they blow up the precinct of Minneapolis. They give it up. They walk out because the weak mayor decides I'm better off doing that to de-escalate the situation. They do the same thing in Seattle to de-escalate the situation. And what does it show you? The kindness is looked at as weakness to be steamrolled in the future. That's what we're looking at right now. Julio Rosas is a senior writer at Town Hall. He went on with Laura Ingram last night to talk about what he sees on the ground in Seattle. Listen to Julio, cut 13. City and local government here doesn't really seem to have any intentions of taking back the area around the East Precinct anytime soon. Uh, in fact, the when uh, Seattle Department of Transportation came by to take away some of the barriers that had been set up in place, they were kind of strong-armed by the people that were there in the area to leave most of them behind. In the time that I've been here in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, I haven't seen a single Seattle police, uh, police officer or any semblance of the city government out side of uh, the Department of uh, Transportation. What is wrong with these people? How could you be a governor or a mayor and let this happen? And you're going to blame the president when he sends in the National Guard there or troops? Game on. Like they did in 92 when 35 people died in the L.A. riots. Well, now the demands for the protesters. Naturalization for illegals. Left-wing mayor resign. Uh, They also want smaller class sizes and free health care for everybody. Fantastic. And free college. Should we add that? Sounds like a Bernie Sanders hostage demand. Good luck, President Sanders. Uh, The ball is now yours. The other big story that happened last night while you were sleeping, more uh, Confederate statues were taken down. More Columbus statues were uh, defiled and ripped down and in some cases uh, beheaded. The war on history reigned supreme. So just so you know, if you think, well, just focus on the Confederacy, then we'll be done with this. Forget it. They're going to say in an age in which we talk about inequity on race relations, they're going to say, how can I really stay in a city called Washington when Washington had slaves? How can the University of Virginia still have a statue of the man who founded it called Thomas Jefferson? Uh, What about James Madison and JMU? I would like to really change that name, even though he wrote the Constitution, the other guy wrote the Declaration of Independence, and the other one pulled off one of the most unthinkable military victories that allowed America to become America. They're coming after you, believe me. Here is Kaylee McEnany yesterday, cut 16. And I would also note, where do you draw the line here? Should George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison be erased from history? What about FDR and because of internment camps? You know, he, should he be erased from history? I mean, they, people have a problem with Woodrow Wilson. Uh, they say that this guy had racial tendencies. I haven't done a pro- the prohibitive 
uh, biography on him. Uh, they also note that uh, FDR not only did the internment camps, he refused to, to uh, uh, have interracial units in the military. How could we look up to FDR? All he did was uh, save the country, which I believe, with the necessary social programs and help us recover from a depression, rally us for a two-theater war from a country that used to make cars and had no tanks to fully armed and be a, a war machine in a matter of moments, uh, in a matter of uh, months, I should say. But he's not perfect. So why should we even recognize him? So they want to take down Robert E. Lee. Listen, Robert E. Lee, according to reports and things I've read, he never wanted a statue in his honor. But one thing they wanted to do is heal the country and bring it back together. Here's uh, Governor Ralph Northam on that cut 15. Well, my, my response is that we've been preparing for this for a year. Um, this is a, a statue that is divisive. Um, it needs to come down. Uh, and we are on very legal, solid grounds to, to have it taken down. Well, we'll see. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be taking some of your calls and also welcoming Brett Baer, 1-866-408-7669. So is this the time to take, back our, uh, take apart our history? Is this the time to take a great explorer like Christopher Columbus and decide he is not worthy of a statue, even though he basically changed the planet and the world and helped give birth to the Americas? Because he wasn't a great leader doesn't mean he was an impactful player. Him, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, they were peers at the time, all three noteworthy. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Let's put it all in perspective. Leo Terrell next, then Brett Baird, then your calls. Big day, don't move. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's a legitimate concern. They should be skeptical. They should be skeptical. But the idea that somehow I've been told all along how young people don't think that I'm in the right spot, right place, there is no polling evidence to sustain that, nor is there voting evidence thus far to sustain that. All I can say is, show me. Let watch me. I'm listening. Watch what I do. Judge me based on what I do, what I say, and to whom I say it. As opposed to what he did, uh, Joe Biden wants everyone to think about the future for the 77-year-old, not in his past, to find out what kind of president he'll be. I'm not sure the rules go like that. Leo Terrell joins us now, civil rights attorney. You've seen him all over the channel and all over many channels. He's also can be found on Twitter at the Leo Terrell. That's T-E-R-R-E-L-L. Uh, Leo, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So I'm just trying to get a, a sense of what kind of candidate Joe Biden will be, but he doesn't put himself out much. When it comes to race relations, they act like he's Martin Luther King Jr. Is that how he's viewed in the black community? No, and, and listen, I can say that without any hesitation. I'm a civil rights attorney. I've been in the community. I, I, I'm usually on the side of the Democrats. But Joe Biden has not earned the, the, the vote of the black community, and speaking on, my, on, my, on behalf of myself, I would ask every black American to, to force Joe Biden to, to tell us why we should vote for him. 
Brian, he has made a series of gaps as far as characterizing African American. He called Barack Obama a mainstream, articulate black. What gives Joe Biden the right to evaluate us? He made a comment a couple of weeks ago saying that if you don't vote Democrat, uh, you're not black. Well, what about the great Tim Scott? What about other African-Americans? He insults the intelligence of African-Americans by claiming that you have to vote for him simply because he's a Democrat. I reject that. I would imagine that's insulting. Uh, For example, um, a lot of people want to feel terrible about what's going on in Minneapolis, feel terrible that race relations aren't further along. How did you you review race relations, uh, law enforcement aside, in America today? Well, let me simply say this. This is not Bull Connor 1960, Alabama. I wouldn't be on your show right now if race relationship hasn't improved. I've had access to high school, college, to be a lawyer. I wouldn't be here today. So if anyone's going to say we have systematic discrimination, institutionalized racism, that is an outright lie. Because systematic discrimination does not happen in this country now, especially, Brian, in cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, Baltimore, where minorities are in control of the system. So I find it disingenuous. I find it disingenuous for people to make such an argument. It doesn't make sense. Yes, there is individuals who are racist. But no one can tell me there's systematic discrimination in Chicago when it's run by minorities and Democrats. When you uh, when you see Mark Milley came out and said the military, he's chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the military has to do better when it comes to African-Americans. They have a greater percentage in the military than in life in the American population. But yet there's not enough uh, when it comes to senior officials, who are three and four star generals and admirals. Do you think the military has to do more? Do you, do you agree with that? I agree with the opportunity that exists more so in the military. And the military, to me, represents a great example of how some of these cities and governments within this country should run. The military gives you an opportunity based on merit, based on skill. They don't close doors based on race or color. If you have the skill and merit you can't advance in the military. And I'll tell you right now, I hate to say this, but what happens is uh, we have Democratic leadership in Los Angeles and Chicago that panders to African-Americans and people of color, claiming that they're still victims. No. The same people who are running these city governments are the same people that are holding African-Americans down. And, and, And I know we haven't talked about the police But it's been a sore point for me for the standpoint that there's this group of people claiming that we should defund the police. My gosh, police officers protect you and I, Brian, at two or three in the in the uh, in the morning. And if 97, 90 percent of the cops are great, it's the two percent that we got to get rid of. But to defund the police, ludicrous. So what should we do? What do you want included in law enforcement reform? Very simple, Brian. That, that's the, that is so simple. And I'm talking to those big city mayors in L.A., Chicago, New York, Baltimore. The biggest problem as a civil rights attorney who's prosecuted police officers, the biggest problem is simply this. The district attorney, Brian, cannot prosecute police officers. Why? There's a conflict. They rely on police officers to collect evidence, evidence and testify on their behalf. 
prosecutors, district attorneys cannot prosecute police officers. Therefore, you need a special prosecutor, independent from the district attorney. So when a police officer commits a wrong, like we have in Minnesota, and what's so great about, what's so unfortunate about it is that George Floyd lost his life. But what's so great about the situation is everyone, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, they all agree those officers were wrong. We need a special prosecutor, Brian, to prosecute police officers. Therefore, the conflict is removed. That'll be interesting. See if that's included. I think both sides can agree on that. It seems to make a lot yes. of sense. Leo Terrell, thanks so much. Follow him on Thank Twitter, the, the Leo Terrell, with two L's. Brian Kilme Show, back in a moment with a guy named Brett Baer. is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The senior leaders... Everything you do will be closely watched, and I am not immune. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. As a commissioned uniformed officer, it was a mistake that I have learned from. And I sincerely hope we all can learn from it. I don't think that was a rebuke of the president. That's how it's being played right now. That's Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, making an unsolicited speech. I'm not sure. The word is, according to John Roberts, that he did not check with the White House before giving it. Uh, But the general said, listen, I shouldn't have been there. He's wearing camouflage. And and with the sound of the flash grenades or whatever they were using, you know, let them debate that. The president walked over with Mark Milley. It looked like the military was taking over. And when people uh, on other networks are talking about the emergence of a dictator in America, that added their perception. Mark Milley is the president's guy. Mark Milley is a guy the president's always really liked. They seem to really get along. I've not heard from Mark Milley's perspective, but General Jack Keane has. He's always said that. It's a good fit. These two get along. It's a good fit. But he also has to worry about the perception, which is civilian control of the military, and the president is a Republican running for office. Looks like the military is there. I get it. But we might need the military if the National Guard can't do it and is not activated by a liberal governor to liberate Seattle. And maybe Portland's going to be next. What's going to happen with the police? One thing they got to do is keep this immunity in place that allows the police not to get, not to get sued should they have any conflict with the civilian. Right or wrong, if every cop who makes $41,000 a year as a rookie has got to worry about being sued because he's in a controversial situation, there's not going to be any cops left. And Senator Schumer among the, bra- among the brainiacs that think this is a good idea. That has to be eliminated. And thankfully, Tim Scott is not putting that in his program. They've got to have additional training. Maybe make it more nuanced. Maybe make it a little bit longer. 
You're paying these men and women to get into the academy in New York, Nassau, and Suffolk County. I mean, the wait is long. You've got to score extremely high on these tests. I'm not sure that people are upset waiting a few more weeks to go through additional training to become a better rookie cop and a better cop overall. Refresher courses along the way, new nuances. Who is this Antifa? How do we stop them? What are the challenges of Al-Qaeda? What about the presence of Hezbollah in our country? How could that not benefit people looking for criminal justice reform? Dealing with a, a, a growing homeless population. How to identify certain psychological behaviors. How is a cop, maybe who decides not to go to college without a psychological degree, able to identify psychoses as they play out? Who could be violent? Who couldn't? How to better deal with them? I mean, that could play into it. Biases in history when it comes to law enforcement, mistakes that people have made. If you expand the academy by three weeks... And if federal funding has to be added to help the small towns and the rural communities who have trouble paying their cops, let alone training their cops, I'm all for it. I think, uh, I think that's the type of reform that is proactive, that the, uh, even the unions uh, could get behind. That's what I think also. I mean, that's what I hope is, uh, is indeed the case. But I'm not getting all that. Also, I think seeing Republicans and Democrats basically saying the same thing, even though they're not talking to each other in the House or Senate, I find intriguing and encouraging, uh, dare I say inspiring. If I see a final result together, I'll believe it. Now, the Congressional uh, Black Caucus is pretty much writing the Democrats' uh, criminal justice reform, uh, law enforcement reform. I'm pretty sure they won't be signing on to that. Defunding cops, defunding precincts, giving up precincts, Not sure that'll happen. It won't. Joe Biden doesn't even back that. Cut six. I don't believe peace should be defunded. We should set up a national use of force standard. If they don't sign on to it, then in fact they don't get any of the federal money. In addition, that they have to demonstrate that they'll release all the data that relates to misconduct by police. I have no problem with that. And also, like a credit report, there's another side to it. If I'm in a high crime area and I have constant, intense interactions, there's an excellent chance that I might have more infractions because I'm in the fray. I mean, in soccer, you're not going um, to score a lot if you're not willing to miss a lot. So you got to put that shot on goal if you're a forward. And people are going to say, well, you take 10 shots, you're only scoring one out of every 10 times. But I got to take 10 shots to score one. You could be a great defender. There'll be no shots missed on your, on your scorecard at the end of a game because you didn't take any. You got to take your shot. That means you're in the fray. That means you're in the action. So if you are going to be suing these police officers because of conflicts, and if they're over, no one's going to go into high crime areas. And if you're stationed there, not going to do anything. You, you guys can have it. You guys can knock off that bank or do the after action report. It's not going to be an issue with me. Let's go out to Joe. This is on WRCN in Long Island. Hey, Joe. Brian, always an honor. Good morning. Listen, Brian, I heard uh, David Bossy on before. That's, that's ridiculous. Trump's in trouble with white suburban women. I'm getting this from my wife. And that's who's going to determine the election, not the black vote. The campaign's doing a te- terrible job meshing it. He needs to show a human side, she says. He needs to show empathy. He's got to stop tweeting about every controversy. Well, uh, you know, my my wife, she wonders if he's trying to lose this election. She says that women, are, he needs to 
Joey the family man. He's not so rugged. They love law and order. They love that. They give him 100% on that. But he has to show a human side, not this, uh, you know, Gigi Ping side to him. He can't tweet about the 75-year-old man, whether he, the man was wrong or right. He's got to leave that up to the surrogates like me and other people to tweet about that. He's got to stay out of every controversy. This is coming from her, from white women. I got seven sisters in the suburbs here. I got one wife and one girlfriend, and they all say the same thing, Brian. Uh, yeah, one wife and one girlfriend? I yeah, don't think I that's really the best. Uh, no more Biden jokes. I, I'm flat last time, you know. But, no, Brian, I'm a number one Trump again. I want this man to win. And this is bad. He's behind on this in, with the white suburban women. I think you're, Joe, I think you're right. And uh, Bossy says, don't worry about it. We'll get it together. But you got to soften your tone. This is the thing. Joe from, uh, Joe from Long Island is on board. So if the president shows his human side, he could, what about going to a soccer game and watching Barron play when we're allowed to play sports again? Evidently, he's a phenomenal player, plays for the D.C. United Academy. I don't know if you saw him in the afternoon with some African-American leaders. He was great. Very, you know, you know without the cameras, the guy is extremely conversational, approachable, and he, li- he listens. And I think you're going to see more of that. I, uh, the 75-year-old conspiracy, the guy evidently is, was harassing the cops. He was in their face. But to be a card-carrying member of Antifa, that's a bridge too far. And even if it is, like you said, let someone else bring that up. But listen to what Joe Biden says. He believes that Donald Trump is doing. Cut 20. Donald Trump didn't invent racism, but he sure has promoted it. And it's systemic, it's been real. The disparities in the country, especially in the economy right now. You know, I think about it. When I was a kid, what really changed and sparked the civil rights movement as a kid, that I was just involved in it, no great shake, just a high school, college student, was that television was around. And television came along when they saw what Bull Connor was doing in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, well, television's been around. I'm really not sure what his point is. He also went on to say, uh, and thanks for the call, Joe, he also went on to say that uh, the reason why he has so many flubs is because he tells the truth and was a stutterer. That's the problem. Oftentimes you say incomprehensible incomprehensible things because you're being honest. That's my issue. I'm too good at everything. That's my problem. I've never heard of an explanation like that. So here's the other thing that Joe Biden said. I never heard this before, especially as we try to unwind what was happening in the last months of the Obama administration with Obama's FBI and his U.N. ambassador unmasking Trump uh, Trump campaign workers. Joe Biden, cut 21. My single greatest concern. This president's going to try to steal this election. This is a guy who said that all mail-in ballots are fraudulent, direct, voting by mail. While he sits behind the desk in the Oval Office and writes his mail-in ballot to vote in the primary. And I was so damn proud. Here you have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank-and-file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House in a, in a, with great dispatch. I don't know what he's talking about. Number one, four chiefs of staff uh, uh, ripped the skin off him. On a daily basis, he's been attacked like no other president, including Richard Nixon, in the history of this country. From the impeachment to the uh, Mueller investigation, 
to trying to uh, devalue his electoral win. Hillary Clinton had to be convinced by President Obama even to admit that she lost. Jill Stein started challenging some of the results in states. And then immediately they pivoted over to Russia, and he's had that hanging over his head. And the minute he got a towel from the impeachment, he goes up five points, in comes the pandemic. And then you have the civil unrest. Never before have I seen more natural occurrences turn into a blame the president. And that's including living through the years with George W. Bush president, and he ended up with 34% approval rating by the time he left office. That's Joe Biden. He's afraid that that Donald Trump will have to be escorted from office by the military. One thing I'm not going to play, but is totally true, is that he believes that he's more popular with the military, rank and file and officers, than Trump. When you look at the rules of engagement, when you look at the money and support that he's given, uh, when you look at his rhetoric, when you look at the fact that he's even gotten criticism from the right because he's trying to protect the welfare of those men and women in uniform, I will bet anything that if you polled honestly the more popular president than candidate Joe Biden and Barack Obama, as opposed to President Trump, Trump will gain extremely much higher than Joe Biden, who was mocked by some of those McChrystal staffers in the Rolling Stone article as Joe Bite Me. And he was told by his former Secretary of Defense he's been wrong on every foreign policy issue for the last 30 years. Phil, listening on 97.1 in St. Louis. Hey, Phil. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. The, the Republicans, no number one, should pound this every day. Joe Biden's been in politics for 40 years as a senator or a vice president. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to fix all these injustices that he set on his hands for 40 years and did nothing about? I know. Give me a break. Pound that every day, Republicans. Another thing, Brian. You just talked to A.B. Snyder, and she said, Trump delights in cruelty. That's a bald-faced lie. What he does is most of his stuff's counterattacked, but he does go out of his way sometime to pick fights when there is no need for it. But I wouldn't say delights in cruelty. She is, she was, she's great, by the way. Uh, she definitely is among the many who I really respect who I feel just does not like him. Doesn't mean I have any less respect for A.B. Stoddard. But you did hear her say that it's winnable for Donald Trump. It's out there for Donald Trump, but he's got to pivot. And believe me, Joe from WRCN was as insightful as anyone when he said, I'm talking of the women in my life, from my seven sisters to my wife. The tone's got to change. And I agree with that. I've seen it in every poll, every expert, the biggest Trump fan, the biggest Trump critic. And he can do it. He's already shown discipline to do it. His greatest asset is he's president. He can make policy. His second greatest asset is his opponent. His opponent is extremely weak with a very weak resume. His greatest asset of his opponent is that he was president. He was vice president to a historic president, who's a great orator, gave a great speech, but wasn't a great president. It's up for this president to ignore President Obama, focus on Joe Biden's years in the Senate, focus on what he didn't do with the $800 billion stimulus package, focus on his horrible policy with China, especially, and in Eastern Europe, true, and how he's on on the wrong side of everything. And do you want that in the Oval Office? Jeff, listening online in Arkansas. Jeff. 
Hi, Brian. Um, 30-year Air Force combat veteran, and I'm just wondering if it was worth it. I, this is not the country that I fought for, my family so, sacrificed so much for. I, I, I just can't believe that the Republican Party is not highlighting the, the hypocrisy of the left. Uh, in, and like the last caller said, putting forth the idea that they are the party of slavery and, um, and you know, keeping the races segregated. The KKK? Um, KKK, exactly. And, and putting forth the idea that we, or the Republican Party, is the party of Lincoln, it's the party of Reagan. Um, and then also, why aren't we talking about Andrew Jackson's statues and memorials. He had, had had some of the biggest racial crimes. Um, why aren't we talking about taking Obama's picture down out of the White House because he spied on U.S. citizens illegally? Exactly. Where does it stop? I'll say this. Let me just bring this up. You might not like Woodrow Wilson. He was president of the United States. You might not like Andrew Jackson. He was president of the United States, one of the most impactful, uh, successful generals in our country, self-taught uh, orphan who became a major general, a lawyer, and became a president. I have no, I don't want to touch it because he didn't live a perfect life. The Confederate statues, I believe you could put adjoining plaques on and talk about, well, they fought for slavery and this is what they believed at the time, but they were leaders at that time and they did go back in line to reunify the country at a time in which they could have ripped it apart. When we come back, I'll take some more of your calls. Don't give up on the country. Don't focus on what's happening in Seattle. Don't focus on the anarchy that's happening it happened in New York and Los Angeles. Focus on the other people that don't have the bullhorn, uh, but have uh, that bleed red, white, and blue. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What taxpayers want to know is who could cut this plot. So there are 39 people that were involved in this plot. There are 14 that were involved in the unmasking. And in order to get to the bottom of this, and bear in mind, this was a taxpayer paid for conspiracy. It was the Department of Justice and the FBI, the premier law enforcement agency. How did they get those FISA warrants? And how was it they knew that dossier was not legit, but yet you had them use it for the FISA warrants? And I will tell you this. The hearing we did last week with Rod Rosenstein, mm-hmm. that left more questions unanswered than answered. Uh, that was for last week, and that was, of course, uh, Marsha Blackburn, the senator from Tennessee, talking about the need to get to the bottom of what happened in 2016 as we get it set for 2020. And if Trey Gowdy is right, and he always is, he knows more than just about anybody else, he said, focus on Peter Strzok. He had his hand in just about everything, every aspect of this, even the Hillary Clinton stuff. I know it's hard to pay attention to everything. Pay attention to that. Uh, meanwhile, pick up Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, on BrianKillMe.com, and you can get it signed. If you choose to get that, want it signed and personalized, you can do it. We got special stuff in it. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.